Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Woo! Hey, this is the Nature Boy Rick Flip. And believe it or not, whether you like it or don't like it, learn to love it. Because you have to listen to Wrestling Is Real. It is the best thing going today. Woo! Celebrating nine years of podcast excellence, the King of Podcasts Radio Network proudly presents the Wrestling Is Real Podcast, because wrestling needs us. Here we go, episode 730 of the Wrestling Real Podcast. Yeah, 730. Used to be the show that uh, Channel 7 of Miami used to have before they call it Deco Drive. That was their entertainment show, like their Entertainment Tonight show. 7.30. You know, I remember... Oh, God, that's... I'm going to just date myself if I keep doing that. Anyway, thanks for listening in, catching the show. You can subscribe, of course, wherever you find the show. But the first place you should go all the time, WrestlingIsReal.com. That's where everything's at. You can find videos of the show, video versions of the show for YouTube, which, by the way, I'm following to get my YouTube handle, YouTube.com slash King of Podcasts. So, at King of Podcasts will work on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and now YouTube. It's all there for you. With that said, there's a lot to go into tonight. Vince McMahon's, uh, the investigation to his uh, things that he did, that he was accused of, the internal investigation has concluded. And it's alleged, alleged misconduct is complete. We're going to go through a couple different stories about that. The quarter... The Q3 2022 earnings call with Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon. We'll talk about what came out of that. A number of uh, different announcements coming off of that. And Crown Jewel this weekend coming up this Saturday. And of course, yours truly will be doing a post show. I won't be doing it immediately after Crown Jewel, but I will probably do it on Saturday night like I would normally do. I'll do it Saturday night after Crown Jewel. We'll talk about it. And we'll go through what we found out from the show. Which has a pretty good card. We'll go into what's going on with that. They got it all set up. And while Vince is now completely out of the picture, with this investigation by the WWE being concluded, what we don't know anything about when it comes to any charges or any kind of misconduct or what kind of penalties or civil cases he might see down the line. We'll wait and see what this all is being said. But this all this information came out tonight. We'll find out then. In the meantime, that WWE is doing just fine since Vince stepped down. And that Triple H has moved things along. He's obviously done a pretty good job of putting everything where he wants it to be. It's definitely his show now. And he has made changes when it comes to the Next in Line program where he's kind of eliminating that. 
is going back to more of the NXT style that he had before and kind of implementing that now on the main roster. More or less. And it's better, but, you know, it still needs more time for everything to come across. We have to see where things pan out with Bray Wyatt. We have to see what pans out when it comes to WrestleMania time. But there's obviously some things we really like. The Bloodline storyline has been fantastic. It's the best thing going in wrestling today. So there's no doubt about that part. When it comes to what they're doing in the women's division, well, there's more that needs to be happening off of that, but we can wait on that. And then when we look at where things are with, well, I guess where their storylines are going. And some of the storylines they spend a lot of time on and what they've invested time on. We're going to talk all about that soon enough. But there's a lot there. And Judgment Day, now with the OC, is a very interesting storyline. The deal with Rey Mysterio dealing with Sheamus and the, or something now dealing with Gunther and Imperium. You got that dealing with you. Then you got Baron Corbin as a character now as the next wrestling god with JBL. And, you know, there's other things they have. The Dexter Luma storyline with The Miz. Sami Zayn, his old deal with the bloodline. That just, there's a lot there. It's interesting. It's interesting and it's uh, fascinating altogether. So we're looking at this and we're saying to ourselves, all right, WWE is giving us something to watch. Pretty good stuff. Is it all must-see TV? No. But you can see some of the people are still trying to watch more. Now, when it comes to Halloween, obviously, the ratings were not good. And with other things that were going on, impossible for them to really do anything much except forget about 1.5 million viewers overall. Because, you know, look, I mean, no matter what part of the world, the, the country you were in, Halloween was in place. Trick-or-treating time was right then. So for that to go on was going to be tough. Now, also the World Series was supposed to happen, but that also didn't get to happen because it was rained out. So all that didn't help. Not much at all. So let's go into the stories themselves. We're going to go first into the investigation of Vince McMahon and what is being said now of the internal investigation. So here's where we are with things right now. As we see it, well, I'll take from Fightful first, and they make the point and say that we know that back on June 15th, Wall Street Journal reported that the board had launched an investigation over alleged sexual misconduct and hush money. In the third quarter earnings report for 2022, which we're going to talk about with Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon, the investigation was completed. Special committee has been disbanded. And the investigation cost the WWE $19.4 million. Now, we don't know if that means the money that was part of the money that was sent out and how it was sent out, what it was used for, and whose account it came from, and was it company funds? All that good stuff we don't know yet. But what we know is this. In the investigation, there was a brief statement that was put in. And they made the point and said that <clears throat> Vince McMahon, who resigned from all positions July 22nd, 2022, remains a stockholder with a controlling interest. And another executive who is also no longer with the company, which is that's John Laurinaitis. The special community investigation is now complete. The special community has been disbanded. Management is working with the board to implement the recommendations for the special community related to the investigation. For the three and nine month periods ending September 30th, 2022, the company's consolidated pre-tax results, including the impact of $17.7 million and $19.4 million, respectively, associated with certain costs 
related to the investigation. And that's it. So, nothing was said, but I'm sure people are going to try to go ahead and prod and figure it out. The media is obviously going to try to ask. But so far, nothing. But as I said before, when we went back to July and the whole deal with Vince resigning, I said, sure, there has to be some impropriety with Vince McMahon. But all of a sudden, it's being brought now. And with this happening to Vince, basically, you had to get ousted. You need to be canceled and dropped out altogether. And these reporters took it upon themselves to put his pieces on to do that. But the thing is, their stories really didn't mean shit. They might have gotten some information from, as we said, it was a friend of a, an anonymous source. Which really couldn't verify anything from, which no, nobody came forward. There were no, nobody that could say that the sources were accurate or what they were being said. We didn't ever see any documents to document and v validate what was being said. But the one thing they did say was there was an investigation by a third party. Special community investigation. Well, that was done. They took, what, four months, five months for it? And that's it. And results came. So John Laurinaitis dismissed from Vice President of Talent Relations. And Vince McMahon, when he knew that the SEC was going to be taking wind of what was going on, this is what happens. Instead of Vince McMahon still being on board and seeing what could happen with the stock and where the shareholders would be, instead the stock went up and continued progress on profits for the company overall and that was it now that's what five will put in there i'll go to hollywood reporter that put a little more information and basically the wwe even with the investigation looming over them they still beat wall street expectations for the third quarter of revenue majority coming from media rights but let me tell you there's not a lot of companies right now in the stock market that can say that. And just this last week, there have been earnings calls of the likes of Meta, parent company of Facebook, or Amazon, or Tesla, or Twitter. They, they're all suffering. Or Apple. They all took hits on their stock prices. And they might have met certain expectations and profits, but the truth was it wasn't enough. Because Wall Street had expected something better. And this time of inflation of a very bad economy and a bear market, for WWE to continue to do well tells you a lot. And so in the story, they said that they delivered on expectations in the third quarter, net revenue $304.6 million, operating an income of $58.9 million. And that was primarily due to an increase in both domestic and internal rights media fees related to the company's flagship programs, Raw and SmackDown. The majority of the revenue was $233 million that came from media rights, live events, $35.2 million, which included Clash the Castle, which included, I don't know if it included SummerSlam. No, no, I guess it did include SummerSlam, yes. You got that going for you. And I guess that also includes Money in the Bank, yeah, all those. But while many entertainment companies are beginning to lower expectations, WWE is bullish on its prospects. They now expect 
the full year of 2022 to be at the upper end of $370 million. That they're going to continue to do well on their earnings. They're going to stay consistent. And as we said, the investigation was cleared. So anybody wants to make sure and assure that, hey, is Vince McMahon going to be a problem going forward with the stock? No. And that WWE, in essence, with the earnings call and with the investigation concluded, they have, as a company, they have thwarted any really horrible, harmful press or negativity or any dealing how crisis management was done. They handled it great. And as for Vince, he had to do the right thing. For the company's sake, he did. Because by doing what he did, the company is holding on just fine. They're not hurting now. They're okay. They're going to do okay. Not just a matter of what kind of media rights fees are they going to get next time around. Because obviously, with Peacock, or with Fox right now, and NBC Universal, WWE is still a very much important property. They're an important live intellectual property of sports they have to hold on to. So they have to keep it going. They have to hold on right now and keep who they have. There's just no other choice. So there's more to be said about what was said in the quarter quarterly report. We'll talk about what Nick and Stephanie has actually said in the announcement. And so basically, here are some of the highlights. Stephanie said Renew Creative has increased interest in the product and caused viewership to increase. And the White Rabbit project that led to Bray Wyatt's return was very well, well received and uh, accepted. Nick Khan announced how WWE has recently extended their Raw Re-Era rights deal with Hulu. I mean, this is a temporary deal, but we don't know what the extent of how long it's going to go. Nick Khan says that WWE has been paying attention to NFL's partnership with Amazon. And they saw with their move to Peacock that an audience would migrate to another platform. And so, yeah, this is what's being said. Now, when he refers to Amazon, getting, what, 10 to 13 million people to watch Thursday Night Football on Amazon, as opposed to watching it on NFL Network and a mixture of the network channel, whether it was either CBS at one point or NFL Net or the, or the uh, or Fox. Well, that got switched. And Amazon put all the money down to put this on because, for them, they're able to promote all their other products. Promote their live concert series now with two chains. Promote Amazon proper. Promote Audible. Promote all their series on Amazon Prime. There's so much they could do. And for the most part, I mean, some of the games have been kind of suspect because they were not great, but that's just a selection of games they got. But they've worked out well. Like, it's, it's worked out for them. They're doing pretty good. Now, when you look at Amazon, I don't know. I mean, the, forgive the NFL anyway. It's going to be a million. It's going to be, you know, like I said, was it a billion dollars? I think they spent over the next, like, four or five years, whatever it is. But they're going to start trying to create other live series. And if they're able to go ahead and increase the amount of subscriptions to Amazon Prime, then that's what's going to work. That's what they want, and it's actually happening. So that works out for them. Moving along, Triple H says that 
social media views have gone up, record views. When you look at things for because well, you, what you're seeing right now is what Triple H just done. He's starting to find things where there are certain clips that are being pulled that are being much better used because of how everything's going on. You can find multiple clips for various segments on the show for anything with Rhea Ripley calling you know Dominic that she's Poppy right or Mommy or the Bloodline stuff when you have you know you have Jay Uso say I don't give a damn what the trouble she says or Sami Zayn says he's not so oozy. Like all that shit right there got everybody going, and those clips went really well. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's so like anything with YouTube, anything on TikTok, Instagram, it worked out. People were really into it, engaged. And then uh, the Bray Wyatt stuff, the White Rabbit, all these different clues that were trying to be put out there. And people couldn't understand it, so they were all trying to piece the puzzle together. And all the stuff with Dexter Loomis, like there's things that he did that kind of, you know, made a point. And then when Triple H was asked about the Bray Wyatt return impact on viewership, he says the, the campaign's impact on overall interest, they're planning more creative, strategic stunts like this in the future. And he wants to plan more stories and moments ahead of time, more now than prior. He wants to do a lot of creative well ahead of time. And they're doing good creative without Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, Cody Rhodes, Randy Orton, who will help a lot. And by pointing those names out, that tells you a lot. Obviously, he sees those names as important come next year, if Randy Orton can make it back. Whenever Cody, Charlotte, and Becky make their way back. He says, Triple H says he does not afraid of losses of creative and learns a lot from them. He helps formulate his plans and where to go moving forward. So he knows that there might be some things that might not be working perfect, but that's okay. He's going to figure it out. He's working on NXT Europe and says they want to recruit among amateur sports as well as scouting established talent in the area. So he's going to create what he wants is a feeder system into Raw and SmackDown. So we're already hearing things about other wrestling organizations because we know how he worked that with Evolve and Beyond Wrestling and other places. And then he moves along and Maybe the NIL program is not going to be necessarily the thing. He's going to try to set up a space for recruiting in Africa for talent. So he's going back to his original plan of creating different, let's say, substations for talent to be acquired and procured in different continents. And then they can bring them to the performance center, recruit them, bring them on board, and see what happens. And as for Nick Khan, he wanted to also conclude saying that he likes that. WWE is found on various traditional and digital platforms that you can find them on cable, free to air, and streaming so they hit all programming and all markets. And that free to air is best for live programming. So yeah, the idea is that if you're watching something live on Fox or NBC or CBS or whatever, and it's live, like there's still something to be said about people will still watch shows and events there. Like if you look at college football, they'll very much get between... 8 to 12 million viewers for the highest end of college football games 
on any of those networks. They get almost what, 9 million viewers for Ohio State, Penn State this past weekend on Fox, 12 o'clock noon. And then Tennessee, Alabama, I think got, what, 12 million viewers last week? And I was a 3.30 start on CBS. And after the NFL, I mean, it's pretty obvious. You're seeing viewership, even during the day, on network. You're getting, in some cases, 25 to 35 million viewers per game. And so WWE is still in the echelon of live programming, and they still fit that market. They just need to make sure they keep doing programming that will make it where you have to watch it live. You're going to be compelled to watch it live instead of waiting for the clips. That's what it comes down here. So they got a good idea where they're going with that. I can appreciate that. Let's move along the crown jewel. We're not going long tonight, maybe 30 minutes, because it's just right now, it's just the time of year where we haven't had a lot of controversy. We don't have the Vince stuff going on. We don't have the, the, the backstage stuff with, you know, AEW, <laughs> all that kind of stuff going on. Two other things I want to bring up before we wrap things up. Uh, all right, so Crown Jewel this Saturday. We'll talk about that in a minute, but then talk about how there's been this whole talk about a possible terrorist attack, which, you know, it was being said that there are certain government sources in Saudi Arabia that think that there was a target, that the United States was made aware of a potential imminent threat to the kingdom from Iran. Crown Jewel, excuse me, Crown Jewel will be emanating from Riyadh on Saturday. And the company's still going to move ahead with the show. They already have security protocols and emergency contingencies in place for any issues. And they're hopeful that everything will be fine. And so everybody feels like nothing's going to happen here. That's just where they're going to go. But as we said, we're hearing that story. And I'm not sure what to go and think of if we're going to get anything from it. But again, we heard about it. Wall Street Journal reported on it. And the warning has prompted Saudi Arabia, the U.S., and other several neighboring states raising their level of alert for their military forces. A National Security Council spokesperson says we are concerned about the threat picture. Remain in constant contact through military and intelligence channels with the Saudis. We will not hesitate to act in the defense of our interests and partners in the region. And so we don't know what they're going to be, uh, what's going to happen. But this, you know, they're talking about this that. But I don't know if there's anything more that can be said that is going to happen. We don't know yet. Anyways, that's what they're saying. And so this weekend, I'll go through the matches now. Preview predictions. So we have so far one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches announced. And so we have at the moment, we'll go... Uh, We'll go in a certain order, but we'll make sure the final matches, the, the main event matches, we'll kind of get to last. And so, first off, we're looking at women's tag team titles, which Alexa Bliss and Asuka just won on Monday night over Damage Control, a rematch instantly at Crown Jewel. The undisputed tag team titles, the Usos will take on the Brawling Brutes. And I'll say this, Alexa Bliss and Asuka will hold on to those belts. They'll retain the tag team titles. Usos are not going to lose to Brawling Brutes. Bianca Belair versus Bailey, Raw Women's title. I'm going to take Bianca Belair again. Braun Strowman versus Omos. I'm going to take Omos. Steel Cage match, Carry On Cross versus 
Drew McIntyre, I will take Karrion Cross for the win. And Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley, I will take I will take Bobby Lashley on the win. I know it's crazy, but I think I this is the, the rubber match. I think Bobby goes over. Judgment Day versus the OC. And I will take Judgment Day on the win. And the Universal title, I will take Roman Reigns. Like, you know, it, remember, this is still Crown Jewel. It's a show for the Saudis. It, they get the people they want over there. It's fine. And that's it. But it's interesting that Crown Jewel will not get the normal plethora of part-time people they normally get. Maybe they're kind of happy with where the programming right now and the storylines they have right now that the crowd's going to be okay with. They don't have to call up Ronda Rousey or Goldberg or anything like that. They got Lesnar. They got Roman Reigns. And, you know, the whole Bloodline storyline. They got all that there. So they're going to be set there. Anyways, that's fine. It works out. Okay, one other story I didn't get a chance to talk to, which happened over the weekend. First off, there's words between Tony Khan and Eric Bischoff. And I should bring this up here because... There's a lot of what's being said about how the booking of the show is. And, you know, let's not listen to Conan and, you know, keeping it 100 and all these different things about everybody talking about everything. Well, Tony Khan and Eric Bischoff have allowed themselves to publicly talk about what's going on. Let's go into it. First off, Eric Bischoff spoke first. Oh, excuse me. Tony Khan spoke first. Let me go and go to him. So, a week ago, and I would have missed this. To, to bring up on the show, but we're bringing it up now. That Tony Khan says that Eric Bischoff, his one-time friend, has been incendiary, contradictory, and hypocritical in his critiques on how Khan puts together certain dynamite matches. And so last Wednesday on Busted Open, he went on to talk about dynamite. And he took a near turn near the end of the show to address the fascination about that every match of every show should have a long storyline built to what is taking place. It just doesn't need to be the case for every single match. He didn't say anything by name, but he alluded that being the case of how WWE has put together a TV product over the last 20 years. He said there are stories and have been for the majority of the matches on his own TV product. And then Khan would say about how Bischoff took specific issue with his comments about how WCW would still be in business if Ted Turner knew half as much about booking as what she didn't apparently uh, or fractured a relationship. And Khan said this, frankly, quote, the person that's been the most incendiary is Eric Bischoff. The good WCW The Money Night shows from 95 to 98 featured random lucha matches and other unexpected pairings. Quote, there was, certain, there was a certain exquisite randomness to the lineup of the card. There were a lot of stories happening in WCW, but probably less than half the matches on Nitro had a story going in them, and that was fine. It was the industry-standard show. And he's right. That's what it was. Like, you think I care about, you know, like Norman Smiley versus Scott Norton? No, not really. Or when Rick Steiner would just have some random match? But that happened all the time. He's right. And then WCW copied the competition's method of doing things where every single match had to be happening for a reason. And his own reason for a seemingly random pairing could be the start of something new or just a challenge to see who's the best in that given match. Quote, to see the person who probably put more cold matches on TV and did it successful and did it well, say that it's an abomination to do it is pretty contradictory. I definitely want to see, don't want to see fans get brainwashed into thinking that there's only one way to do it just because he's seen it done one way for a long time. I agree. 
what I like about AEW. You know, the matches we have and to see certain storylines not be followed along every single week. Like, listen, MGF. MGF wasn't even on the show this week. We had him on for weeks before. Leading up to the match he'll have against John Moxley. But, like, really? At Full Gear, we didn't get anything about that. Not right away. But we will. And when you think about it, yeah. Like, right now, Full Gear, we're not necessarily aware of what matches are going to be coming up and how things are going to be happening. But we have, what, two more weeks of shows to lead us into Full Gear. Uh, which we already know the matches we have right now. We already have matches scheduled. You got Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter for the interim women's title. The Acclaim versus Swerve in Our Glory for the tag team titles. They've been definitely pushing that. Tony Storm, Jordan, Jimmy Hayter, they've been pushing on that. Uh, the World Championship Eliminator Match Tournament Finals will be featured there. Then John Moxley and MJF for the world title. That's already set. So... You know, they did certain vignettes. They did things to kind of make sure to foster long storylines to remember what was going on. But for the most part, everything's working out good, right? So that's Tony Khan's point of contention. But then Eric Bischoff gets on his 83 Weeks podcast and follows suit. And so Eric Bischoff says that, quote, oh, I'm sorry, we're going to move along because the Wrestling Observer was just kind of doing a recap. And so here's what Bischoff said about Tony Khan's comments. Number one, quote, there were certainly random matches that didn't have any story in WCW. I'm not denying that. But I'm also going to point out, I don't think I've ever said in any of my commentary about AEW that I believe every match should have a story. When you're introducing new talent, or when you have talent that you haven't really matched up storyline-wise with an opponent yet, but you want to expose that talent, you want the audience to become familiar with that talent. You want to establish that talent. Sure, put people in matches that really don't have story, but use that time in non-storyline matches to give us some real backstory and information about said talent. He goes on to say that my issue in my comments about AEW and the creative behind it is really a bunch of top matches that don't have sufficient story or structure, or at least a compelling one. Your top matches, your A, B, C, and D storylines, that's different. I've seen a lot of matches, a lot of storylines. What AEW considers a storyline that I feel are just nothing more than excuses for a match. They're not well-crafted stories. Right. Sometimes he has a match that gets booked up for the next week, and it's just something that kind of just gets put together. I get it. And then he says this, quote, I believe in today's competitive environment with television being what it is, that if you want to pay attention, Tony, build and grow your audience, you're going to have to do it with well-crafted, compelling, well-structured storylines, and I don't see it. I see excuses for matches, and that's not a storyline. And that's Eric Bischoff saying that on his program. Okay, I get it. But, you know, for the most part, I get where he's coming from, and I can appreciate where both sides of the argument are. But what do you know that AEW is going to do their own thing? Tony Khan's going to book as he wants. And even though the TV product might be a little bit inconsistent, do we really rarely complain about the pay-per-views? No, because the pay-per-views rock. I mean, even when we talked about the fact that how things turned out at the end of All Out, the pay-per-view was great. If we didn't have the scrum, the pay-per-view was great. Like, I don't think I've ever given like, a really bad rating to a pay-per-view of AEWs because it doesn't happen. Even the Ring of Honor stuff they put together. 
doesn't do the same thing either. It just works out. So I don't know. I don't know what to think. But it's, you know, it's their thought process, where they're coming from. Doesn't make a difference to me. But I get it. This is where they feel like they need to go and explain things. And I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. Okay. So that's it, folks. That's the show for the night. Oh, by the way, we just learned that AW uh, tonight we had Jeff Jarrett show up in storyline. I guess he's going to deal with Darby Allen and thing. And he's officially signed with AEW as Director of Business Development. Jeff Jarrett and yet another promotion. You know, I get it. I mean, they had him as, uh, you know, had his live events over at WWE and he was like, go. Where he left, I forget what it was. But now he's here and he's behind the scenes. Listen, he's not running the show. He's not running the programming. He's not booking himself at the top of the car to be king of the mountain. That's fine. I think we'll work with all that just fine. I'm okay with that. So anyway, that's going to leave it there. That's the show for the night. Anyway, these 30-minute shows are just happening because it, you know, news is going just kind of quiet. Things are just kind of like moving along and they're slow and that's good. I'll take it like that. But we will do a post show coming up for Crown Jewel this Saturday. Make sure to check out that. I'll have it this Saturday night at WrestleControl.com. Until then, come back for another Wrestling Control podcast. Enjoy Crown Jewel, because wrestling needs us. Thank you for listening to the Wrestling Is Real podcast. You can find all previous episodes at WrestlingIsReal.com or subscribe to the show on all major podcast outlets, including Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Follow the King of Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at King of Podcasts and search King of Podcasts on YouTube or type youtube.com slash jbrasco951. This has been a presentation of the King of Podcasts Radio Network.